Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. For you, the listeners of the Do Something Beautiful podcast, with a free 30-day trial of Audible, you can get my new book, The Other Side of Beauty, read to you by yours truly for free. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. Audible is Amazon's audio bookstore, and it has over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. And so if you're like me and you like to listen to books while you travel, exercise, or cook, this is perfect for you. To get my audiobook for free, all you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. That's audibletrial.com slash Darrow, and you're in. The Do Something Beautiful podcast is also brought to you by Haiti 180. If you want to do something beautiful in the world, but find yourself busy, possibly overwhelmed with life, family, or work, but you still want to donate money for a good cause, you can still do something beautiful by becoming a Team 180 member. Haiti 180 provides an orphanage for 40 children, two elderly homes, a school for over 200 students, and a medical clinic in a small village in the hills of Haiti. Now, many of the listeners of this podcast have generously donated over $26,000 to build the maternity wing of the new hospital. And for as little as $15 a month, you can sponsor an orphan. That's 50 cents a day, people, 50 cents a day to help a little boy or a little girl have a good and just life. I've been there. I have seen their good works and I continue to give them my time, talent, and treasure. And I'm asking you to do the same. Go to Haiti180.com and do something beautiful with me. That's Haiti180.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode here. Today, we get to talk with Nancy. Nancy is a creator of Do Small Things with Love.com website. She is quite the lady. She lives outside of Kansas City with her husband and four kiddos with another baby on the way due in February of 2019. She loves creating and crafting with her kids, and she believes that creativity is one of the most beautiful ways we can teach and share the faith with children. She has this deep love for St. Therese and believes that doing small things with great love is a true mission of being a mother. One of her favorite projects is called Catholic Sprouts, which is a daily five-minute podcast for Catholic kids that strive to plant seeds of the faith. It's pretty amazing. We talk about a lot of different things, and especially with this upcoming season that we're in of Advent, she talks about some of the very practical things we can do with our kids and to do with our families to help bring about that season of patiently waiting for Christ to come into our hearts, right? That we celebrate in Christmas. She is really, really sweet, amazing. And I can't believe all the things that she does with four kids and one on the way. She is a testament of letting God work through you and using the talents that God has already given you. So without further ado, here is Miss Nancy. Hey, welcome back to the podcast and welcome Nancy. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, we are happy, happy, happy <laughs> to have you. Okay, we were talking before we began about how 
now these are my words. You have not called yourself this, but I was like, you're like the Advent lady. I mean, everything <laughs> is beautiful and amazing for not just Advent, but there's so much that you've done in this particular liturgical time of the year. It's really neat. I mean, I know we're jumping into this conversation here really quickly, but why? I mean, it seems like Advent's like a big thing for you of how you have allowed this to kind of grow within your family and you've shared it with others. How did that begin? Well, well, I really love Christmas. I really do. And, you know, it's hard. I think when you have kids, especially when you love Christmas and, you know, they obviously love Christmas too. It's hard. Advent is kind of a problematic time of year because even though I know that it's an important time of year liturgically, like I also want to set up the Christmas tree as soon as we're, you know, putting the pumpkins away. And I want to be total Christmas during Advent. And so, and my kids do too, of course, you know, as soon as the presents come in the mail from family far away, they want to open them. And so like the season of waiting in Advent is tricky. And so, but when you find beautiful things to do, and one of our favorite things to do is the Jesse tree, you know, and like we love reading around here and storytelling, and you just see how all of those things are really so beautiful and so important this time of year. and. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of a big kid myself. I love coloring and exploring those things too. And I have a lot of kids. And so each year I'm trying to think of something new. So, you know, one idea after another, they just kind of turn into a lot of ideas. But really, we just, we love Advent around here. We've really fallen in love with it. And after you do Advent well, it's really amazing how much more full and meaningful Christmas is. So every year it's motivation for me to do it even just a little bit better every year. I love that. Fall in love with Advent. I'm writing, I'm taking notes on that. I mean, <laughs> I have not personally engaged in that in that way. I don't think anybody's ever said, have you fallen in love with Advent? I'd be like, uh, no, <laughs> he and I haven't met really. <laughs> it's more <laughs> like that chaotic time, like you said, but I really like that. And it kind of seems to go along with your entire theme of your, of this apostolate that you have here. Nancy, you are the founding member here of do small things with love.com. <laughs> it's a community for Catholic women. You are a Busy Catholic mom of five beautiful babies. And here you are putting this together for all of us women. It's so, so life-giving. Now, let's start with the beginning. Do small things with love. I'm curious, to be honest with you, if that is from Mother Teresa or Teresa of Lisieux. Which one was the influence there? Because it's one oh. or it's, it could be both, but I think it's one or the other. Yeah, it's definitely St. Therese. I kind of have a love affair with St. Therese. And, you know, the reason why is because, so I used to be a high school English teacher, you know, in a, in a different life <laughs> before kids. I was a high school English teacher and, you know, life, it, there's just so much feedback you get as a teacher, you know, you're constantly getting questions or, you know, like, oh, you're my favorite teacher. You know what I mean? There's just a lot of feedback and you feel, and I taught high risk kids in an alternative school. So kids coming out of jail or girls that already had babies. And so when you got them through high school, there was, it was a huge accomplishment. I mean, it was huge. And then I had a baby and I transitioned to the incredibly quiet, hidden life of a mother. And it was really hard for me. It was really hard. I think a lot of us get into motherhood thinking that 
just being a mom somehow miraculously will sustain us. And we, we aren't prepared for it. Like we aren't prepared for the quiet or the thankless constant work. And in those quiet days, I really found so much comfort in St. Therese, you know, in the little way. And the idea that like the little things, changing diapers or holding a baby for hours on end that won't let you put them down, like that that is good work and it's important work even if no one ever knows about it and you're never thanked for it. And so to me, you know, do small things with love is the absolute quintessential work of a mother. And even these art projects or, you know, ideas for devotionals with families, I know that a lot of them flop. You know, a lot of times the kids won't sit down or they rip the page in half before they even see what it is. And it's just, you know, this constant work of small things, not small successes necessarily. Most of them are not fully successful, but just the idea that we can do small things each day and whether they're successful or not doesn't matter. But, you know, we can keep going. So I don't know where I would be as a mother with St. Charette without her. You know, I feel so very blessed to be Catholic and have both her and Mother Teresa who both really demonstrated that little acts of love really do matter. So, mm. uh, Yeah, I, I'm just sitting here with like, you know, both hands underneath my chin, just like <laughs> listening, like, yes, keep coming, Nancy, like you're speaking to my heart. <laughs> yes, small things with great love, and that doesn't mean small successes necessarily. That yeah. Mean success. That really hit me, I think, when I heard that, when you said that, that was like, yep, I need to sometimes reframe that in my own life and in my mm-hmm. own family as a Catholic mother as well, that what we're doing doesn't necessarily have to always be a success How and how we imagine it. We imagine that success as the little, you know, art project that we're doing with our kids or that little moment that we're having is going to turn out like this. And mm-hmm. as in all things, God's plan <laughs> is usually very different. And I'm sure he's probably like, no, Leah, I just want you to be with your kids yeah. doing this project that they will, as you said, like rip up or be frustrated, but you can teach them a lesson maybe in their frustration, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. But that's how it was coming. And I was taking that. That was beautiful. Now with your website, do small things with great love. We'll have all this in the show notes. So we will have all that information there. And especially there's this phenomenal page that you have for Advent, do small things with great love.com slash Advent, but we'll have it as well in the show notes. And there's so many different things that you have here. Before we get into some of those, some of these in particulars, like I love the Jesse tree. There's one in particular that I want to talk to you about called the names of Jesus countdown. <laughs> that looks awesome. I kind of want to go back to really something that you wrote on your homepage and you, you talk about how that you love being a creative, but you fell deep into the Pinterest craze. <laughs> I have my own opinions of Pinterest. I'm usually not a fan. I've I've now come to like it for some food searches. I've noticed, especially during like Christmas or Easter time or Thanksgiving, I'll maybe look for a way to how somebody presents something or how they make it. However, Pinterest to me seems like this massive, crazy, like it's it's another dimension of reality where you yeah. enter into. And for me, I always walked away with this. I feel like I was was not wanting to, but almost fostering a spirit of competition and comparison because of my time spent there. 
did that happen to you? Or w- w- when you said you, you fell deep into the craze of Pinterest, what did that look like for you in your life? So I've been kicking around online for a long time. My oldest is seven. And so when about a, when he was about a year old, I was looking for something to, you know, keep me from going a little crazy at home. So I started blogging, but I was a craft blogger. And, you know, this was a while ago. Pinterest wasn't quite as crazy then. And, you know, I, I really do like to create. I like doing things with my hands and sitting on a computer too long draws me a little nuts. So I just kind of started creating things and sharing them, which is, I think, how Pinterest started. It was sort of an organic, like, look what I made. Let me show you how to make it yourself, which is cool. And so I got into that. And what drove me away from that whole existence was that I started to really wonder, like, what the point of all this was. Even if you get into crafting for your kids, you're right, there's a little bit of a competition. Like, I made a cooler paper plate craft than you guys did with my kids. Or Wait. I don't even know, you know, it's it's sort of weird. Yeah. And so I really I almost shut the whole thing down, to be honest. I, I named my, you know, work online, do small things with love from the very beginning because I really did want St. Tres to be the patroness of what I did. But, you know, I was just sort of, you know, I'm really into stitching. I shared a lot of embroidery things, which was fun. But both my husband and I kind of, after a while, were like, well, what what is the point of this? And so at the time, actually, it was several years ago. My kids were much younger. I was driving to my parents' place. And my parents, we used to live in Minneapolis. And my parents, I grew up in a small town in southwest Minnesota. So I was, it's about a three-hour drive. And I would do that drive often because my husband traveled for work. So it was one of those times where I was alone with the kids and they were sleeping and I was driving and I was praying my rosary. And I really was thinking about like, how do I engage my kids in the rosary? Not even thinking at all about online projects. And I had the idea for a rosary quiet book. I don't know if you know what a quiet book is. It's like a, a, a fabric or a felt book with movable pieces. So kids can kind of play and pay attention. And then I also put a string of 10 beads at the bottom of each page. So it was like interactive image of the mystery with beads on the bottom. So I stitched it up for my family and I made a pattern and I thought, you know, well, I have this blog. I don't know how many Catholic women are even out there. I'm not sure any of them follow me, but I just put it up there because I thought, well, maybe some other families will like it. And truthfully, it blew up. Like it was a realization to me that the world likes to be creative, but just creativity in itself is is pretty empty. You know, it's it's kind of pointless. Yes, we like things that are beautiful, but if it's not reflecting the true beauty of God, then what is it reflecting really? You know, so just putting making that rosary quiet book and seeing the hunger for people to create meaningful things with and for their children. It kind of set me on a different path and it re- made me realize that like there there can be a point to creating things and there can be a mission behind it even. So it was really a turning point for me and it, it made me not only look at the things that I was creating to put online, but much more importantly, the things that I was creating to share with my children, like just coming up with, you know, teaching them the ABCs through paper plate crafts. Like that's, that's fine, but that's, it can be more, you know, we can explore Catholicism through the ABCs. 
We can learn how to pray the rosary through something I stitched for you. You know, we can learn about the saints by making them out of perler beads. It's just to me, the connection between creativity and Catholicism is where I get really excited. So that's why I have so many Advent resources, because I have, I think, an unlimited love of where creativity and Catholicism meet. So I love this. Once again, I'm just sitting here being like, you don't have to stop talking, Nancy. I'm going. We're good. I mean, I love that you have it. You have it written on your website that you believe creativity is a prayer. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And I think sometimes, obviously, we have this idea of prayer being like a few things. It could mean I'm praying actually like a rope prayer at the rosary or a novena or something. It could mean that I'm reading the Bible. It could mean that I'm in church or in adoration. I think people pretty much stop there, though. Like prayer is mm-hmm. one of those three things. Yeah. And we don't and really you know, see something I, I, more. I think I really discovered that because I like cross-stitch. I know that's kind of like a old lady thing. My sisters and I all cross-stitch and we'll get together and stitch. And we're like, oh, man, we look like we're in the nursing home sitting around stitching together. Oh, but, Nancy, um, I actually have to admit to you. It is yeah. a major passion of mine. I love it. It's so relaxing. I you love know? it because it's, it's a cross stitch. It's very easy for me to do. It's it's a little cross. It's like a little square. Mm-hmm. I can do mm-hmm. that. That's no problem. I started this when I was much, I was very, very young. And yeah. my mom and my grandma showed me how to do it. And I became really crazy into it. And mm-hmm. I haven't picked it up in probably I mean, almost 20 years, but yeah. when I saw it on your website, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I've got to do this again. I love cross-stitch. Okay, so I'm sorry. Keep on going. No, it's fine. But to me, it's like the ultimate form of relaxation, you know, just because, yeah, like you said, it's easy. If you can count and you aren't completely colorblind, you can cross-stitch. Like it's a very universal thing people can do. And I... You know, you can sit in front of the TV and cross-stitch, which is relaxing, but you can also sit in silence. And I'm one of those people that has a really hard time sitting still and quieting my mind and actually being with God. It's a, it's a huge, it's a huge work in progress for me to really enter into prayer. But I do, I love the rosary because my hand is touching something and moving. And I also love stitching because you have sort of, it takes such limited mental power, you know, like, okay, I got to do 14 of this color in a row and you can just stitch. And it's a very important time for me to process. If I spend an hour in adoration reading scripture, I oftentimes need time to sit and process that. And after a day of like constant questions from my kids and running around, just sitting down it's not enough for me. I'll always look and be like, oh, well, the floor is dirty or oh, I should be doing this. And so stitching to me helps me sit and actually process. So it's an important thing for me, really. And when I'm stitching, I have like, um, I don't know how many hundreds. I got really into making them once in a while. Hundreds of saint patterns in cross stitch that are really simple. And I stitched up each patron of my of my children and my husband and since we've had a lot of losses it's a lot of people and you know to really think about the life of that saint to think about how they I can really go to them for prayers while you're stitching this saint for a couple of hours it's just a different way to pray you know it's almost like a slower processing sort of prayer 
Merry Christmas, my friends. Okay, I know. It's a, it's a little early to say Merry Christmas, but it's never too early to think about what you're going to get all of those beautiful people in your life for Christmas. What are you going to get them? It's going to be here before you know it. But this is something that we are doing right now to help you out with that. This episode is sponsored by Catholic Relief Services Ethical Trade, and they have come out with an Ethical Trade Holiday Gift Guide. You can go to this one spot to get everything on your list for anybody on your list. It is, they're all unique. They're definitely going to be different than what everyone else is going to get them. It's a great, great idea. This is so wonderful. You can put Christmas back into your shopping with ethically produced gifts that really do uplift an entire world of people. And every single partner on this list has been vetted for fair wages, safer working conditions, and environmentally sustainable practices. And what's even better is that with every purchase, a donation goes back to Catholic Relief Services. So twice the impact. So fantastic. So make sure you go and check them out, ethicaltrade.crs.org. I will have the link in my podcast notes. Make sure you check them out, ethicaltrade.crs.org. They have something for everybody. Things for the kitchen, for fashion, comfort, like candles and soaps and lotions. Things for the home, things for entertaining, coffee, chocolate, you name it. There's so much stuff. I will say, for the record, you better go check out the Lavender Honeysuckle Body Butter. It is so great. It makes you smell like a queen. I love that. And I also personally love the Alabaster Swirl Candle. I own both of those. Oh, it's so great. They're just wonderful. They're like the Maya Treat Yourself gifts that I, I love to give other people and myself once in a while. So go ahead, check it out. It is really a wonderful thing. This holiday season, you can get all of your stuff for all of the people in your life right there by visiting the Ethical Trade Holiday Gift Guide by Catholic Relief Services. Again, that is ethicaltrade.crs.org. I think that they sometimes even call that holy leisure. Yeah. Is when you take that time away from your from the busyness of your life, whatever that might be for each person. And you just spend time doing something good, true, and beautiful. I mean, just spend time. For some people like you, it's being creative. It's cross-stitching. For others, it's staring at a mountain. And it could just be having a glass of wine with your spouse and being like, you don't even need to say anything. But it's this, but when you have the goal being that you're trying to give your soul rest and so that it can be recharged. It's that holy leisure that we all really need, not just leisure for leisure's sake, but leisure so that we can find ourselves kind of recentered on Christ in our life by relaxing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's something it's hard to remember to do it. It's so hard. And I I think talking about how hard that is to do that, holy leisure, relaxing, and the fact that we're entering here in this Advent season and talking about Advent and you're kind of, of course, the title I've given you, Advent (laughs) Lady. Um, It's like the church lady and then there's Advent Lady. There's Nancy, the Advent Lady. But I mean, so let's talk about that. I mean, Advent, I know what it's supposed to be. I think we all know what it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like. but It doesn't feel the way that it's supposed to be most of the time. It feels like a couple things. One, it's just there's so many things to do. There's so many things to Mm -hmm. do. And I've got to get ready. And we're not really getting ready for celebrating the coming of Christ as, you know, as one of us. 
we're really just getting ready for like wrapping presents. And not that those aren't important things, but we kind of shift the focus to some other stuff and we get away from the most important thing. And Advent, as you said, is a time that's very tricky and it's about waiting. And so let's talk about what you have done and some of these activities that you have kind of created for other families to take on. And there's so many great resources. I can't wait for you listeners to go out there and go to this website, do small things with love.com do small things with love.com slash advent. And you'll see the big advent button there. You can just click on that, but it is, there's so, there's so many things. There's so many wonderful activities that you can do with your family, with kids. If you babysit, if you have kids of your, of your own. So how do these things kind of focus us in rather than create one more thing for us to do during Advent? You know, I'm so grateful to be Catholic where we have these really clear liturgical seasons. And I love that Advent is set aside as a time of, of repairing. And so I also love that it coincides with like the changing, that the, the days are getting shorter, that the evenings are darker sooner. And I really, we try to, to really kind of embrace the darkness, you know, because you have those lit candles of the Advent wreath every night. And so I have another podcast, a podcast for children called Catholic Sprouts. And I was just putting together the episodes for Advent in that. And I was, you know, researching and I feel like I learned so much as I'm putting that together. But, you know, it was a reminder to me that the Advent wreath is about, it's about remembering the darkness that we're in, like the sin and darkness. And each candle, as we light it, of course, dispels a little bit more of the darkness. And it's about the journey that the Israelites made from the Garden of Eden to Jesus Christ coming on the scene and how the darkness was so thick. And through, you know, the prophets and the lessons that God slowly taught them to soften their hearts, he entered more and was fully present, of course, finally with Jesus Christ. And so I just feel like really embracing the darkness, having that Advent wreath, like in the middle of the table where you eat or the middle of the living room where you gather as a family and turning the lights off every night and just lighting the candles and whether you have the time to do an activity or not, whether, and I always tell people, you know, the Jesse tree can be intimidating because there's a person for every day and life is not like school activities end during Advent and your evenings are less busy. But even if you make it through half or a fourth of the characters in the Jesse tree, like you shouldn't feel guilty about that because just uniting our waiting with the centuries of waiting that they did in the Old Testament, to me, that's a that's a really powerful thing for my children because they can get frustrated, you know, that Christmas isn't coming, that it's taking so long. I'm like, you know, we have four weeks to wait. They wandered in the desert for 40 years, and that mm. was just a small part of the centuries of waiting. Mm. And it's also such a beautiful time to really force ourselves to go to the Old Testament. I, of course, love the Gospels and the epistles and everything, but it, it's like the Old Testament is intimidating. Sure, we can talk about Adam and Eve or Noah, but getting past that can be intimidating. And so um, I actually just created a resource for families that helps make the Old Testament a lot more accessible and explains connections. But there are some great stories back there. You know, not everything is child appropriate. We're not going to, you know, talk about the prostitutes that played a role. But 
<laughs> you know, there's just so many <clears throat> beautiful stories that they can get really excited about. My boys love to hear about the battles. And, you know, they love, my girls love to hear about, oh, this person was that person's grandmother. And you know what I mean? Like the family stuff. And so just, inst- I know like we have to do all that stuff, but just, you know, like the shopping and the decorating and it's all good and fun stuff. But if we can make 15 minutes a night for quiet, turn the lights off, light the candles, pray, whether it's with scripture from the Jesse tree or just praying, we can just pray that we wait, you know, just the darkness and the candles can be such a game changer. So, and the kids love it. I mean, I love also that our Catholic faith has so many tangible sacramental things, just lighting the candles and having that special wreath that you take out every year. They love it. Like that's all they need. You know, we have a rotating order of who gets to blow out the candles each night and that alone gets everybody (laughs) sitting down and ready to go. So (laughs) yeah, uh, that's same here in my house. Every birthday, it's constant crying because (laughs) somebody whose birthday it wasn't supposed to be that day or whatever, whatever, it blows out the candle, the person whose birthday it is. And then you go through and then everybody gets a chance. Anyways. Yes, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're right. The Advent, the Advent race would be a good, a good way to at least prep them for birthdays later on in the year. But yeah, you know, all that, what you're saying and talking about how busy it is during this season, you know, we actually started this conversation talking and you, you'd mentioned like the problem with Advent. We have this, the problem with Advent is that it, you'd mentioned that it's tricky and that it's about waiting. And I mean, talk about our culture, our world now. I mean, waiting is not a virtue that mm-hmm. we have cultivated well overall. And this is such a great season for that. And I think, and listening to what you're saying, what I'm coming away with is that the problem with Advent is our busyness mm-hmm. is how busy we can be running around with errands or just the busyness of our heart or our mind or the busyness of thinking, like kind of going back to that, what we were talking about with like doing crafts with kids and things not working out just right. And that you can kind of have your heart and your mind just kind of filled with the fact of, oh, well, this didn't work. And this was a big failure. And we're not really looking at the fact that we just spent some great time with our family and yeah. and what's happened there. And so to kind of move everything away to as making it as simple as possible and reminding ourselves of what this season is really about. And you talked about, it's about preparing, which it is. And I love that. I love the liturgical seasons and what they do. Advent is a time of preparation of when we prepare Lent is the time of repair where yeah. Christ repairs us. And this is the time in the beginning before we even get there where Christ, where we are preparing for the coming of Christ in yeah. our hearts once again. I love that. Let's, I do want to mention before we wrap up, I don't want to, I, I, have, I have a few more questions I've, I just got to ask you about. Okay. <laughs> so there are a ton of, and let me tell you something, people listen to me. This is probably one of my favorite sites ever right now. I'm so excited about this. I I'm trying to stay focused on our conversation, but I have in front of me like all of these different Advent activities. And of course, for me, I'll be one being like, I'm going to do everything. And then I will just fall on my face like in like two weeks. So that's not going to happen. I'm not, I'm promising myself I'm not going to do that. However, there are a few that are super, super great. I love the Joyful Mysteries of the Rosary coloring book. My kids Mm -hmm. love art and coloring. So this is beautiful that you have here. You can grab that coloring book. And then there's this one 
the names of Jesus Advent countdown. Okay, can we just talk about this for a second? Sure. Where did this come from? How did you do this? I want to hear the backstory on this one. Sure. So I have to say, I had heard about this. It's not something that I totally dreamed up on myself. I think, you know, we all know other great Catholic moms. And I know a mom that just sort of put this together. And I thought, oh, that's such a great idea. And so I have this, you know, since you ha- I have a platform, when I put something together for my family, I'll just throw it up for other people too. So I love this one too, because as a kid, we did tons of countdown rings, Do you know, like the chains of paper. Oh yeah. And you would take one off. I mean, we were obnoxious. We would count down to everything. Count down <laughs> to this person's birthday, count down to summer. Count. So I love those. I love those. And we do them here too. But, you know, I love that this is a play on that with more meaning. So what it is, is it's a slip of paper that has a name, you know, one of the titles given to Jesus, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, has a single Bible verse citation on there. So you remove the ring for the day, the paper strip, and you read the title and then you read the verse. And I've done this with my kids at various ages. You know, I've done it when they're too young. And it's more of an exercise for me. They take the ring off and I get to read the, you know, I read the scripture to them and they don't absorb it, you know, but it's still good for me. Now I'm at the point where my kids do remember and they'll ask sometimes really good questions. And so I like the, you know, the simple thing of countdown rings, countdown to Christmas. Yeah. But it can be just a real simple, easy, quick way to actually teach them a little bit. You know, and I really feel like any exposure to scripture is good for any of us. Whether we get it or whatever, because, you know, when you believe that the scripture really is the presence of God, you know, it, it makes it a no brainer that like, yeah, this is a good way to just read one verse of scripture each day. Whether they get it or not, who cares? They heard a little bit of scripture. So I, I like it. that activity, too. I love, love that one. And so and I know because you guys are listening to us, right? I mean, so. We, you, it's hard for you to see this, but you'll have to go to the website. I, like I said, I'll give you all the links, but it's so great because it's all pretty much done for you. All you need is scissors, basically, and a little bit mm-hmm. of like tape or whatever you want to put the little rings together. And then you let your kids color everything and then you put it up. I mean, it's a really fun activity. And that's why I like some of these things personally for me. I love being creative. I'm creative in, in some different ways, not so much this artsy stuff. Although I love it. It's just not, I'm not, it's not like my talent. So I love when I have these types of activities where it's mostly done for you, but you can kind of participate still in in a piece of that. And that's my (laughs) type of craft is basically having someone do most of it for me. So (laughs) we all feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, Well, it's, it's a real thing in my life, but Hey, you know what? I own it. That's just who I am. God, maybe he gave me creativity in other areas, but there's so many different things. Now the Jesse tree. Okay. Could you explain what the Jesse tree is? I feel like I don't even know completely what the Jesse tree is. And then I, and I'm just being completely honest. I, <laughs> I sometimes feel like I have this idea, but then I really don't quite know. I think that you pretty much definitely know since you've done so many of these things you've already talked about before. But I'm asking the question for myself and everybody else out there who just doesn't want to sound like an idiot saying, what's the Jesse tree? And you're Catholic and you should know and you don't know. And how could you not know? And I follow all of my girlfriends who do this with their <laughs> families. And I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And I'm once again being like, I, I really don't know all those things about it. So I'm yeah. going to be the one who's going to say, 
I don't know. Can you tell me? Can you explain what this is? Sure. Totally. So in the book of, was it Isaiah? Mm-hmm. No. Yes, Isaiah. There we go. Anyways, in that book, there's a verse that says, and from the tree of Dressy, I'm totally screwing this up, but a sprout, you know, will sprout and right, the root it will be the Messiah. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally screwing it up. Anyways, no, but I, it's, I'm you know, following you. I know, the, I know the verse in Isaiah you're talking about. I get that connection. Yeah. I can't wait to hear what you say next. So I'm ready. Sure. Keep on listening. Keep sure. on talking. So because of that verse, it's called the Jesse tree. What's confusing is that it doesn't start with Jesse. It starts at the beginning of time. So Jesse's kind of in the middle. But um, what it is, is it's basically a really loose ancestor list to Jesus. You know, so it starts with the creation of the world. It starts with, oh my goodness, Adam. (laughs) What's that guy's name? (laughs) 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 Anyways. So it starts with him and then it works its way through. And and not everybody in the Jesse tree is in the direct lineage of Christ, but we say they're all in the national family of Jesus, meaning they're all part of the nation of Israel. So they all came from, they all came from Seth, right? Yes. Yes. And onward. So what I honestly have come to think of it as is like a super kid friendly, fast, simple version of like the Bible timeline by Jeff Cavins. You know, I love the Bible timeline. I've taken that Bible study like five times. And every time I feel like I, it's my first time, there's so much to learn. But what it is, is when you sit down each night with your kids and you go through a different person that played a role in, you know, this lineage of Jesus Christ, you can see how God was slowly working on their hearts to teach them like to follow his commandments, to listen to him and to prepare them for the coming of the savior. So it's like a, it's just a systematic way to go through the major points of the old Testament and learn about God. It's really, cause you're not really learning about these people. You're learning much more about the nature of God, the father. You're learning like that. He keeps his promises, that he is faithful that he demands obedience and there are consequences for not keeping his commands, but yet he will never abandon us. So those are kind of the major lessons. And you look at various people, as we all know, there's, you know, the heroes of the Old Testament and the stinkers of the Old Testament. And so it's just kind of a, it's a way to slow down. And I love it because it's a reminder to wait that there is darkness and sin that entered the world after the fall. And it was a journey, like quite the journey for God to prepare our hearts so that we could receive Jesus. And we're only asked to wait four weeks, but we should still go on that journey. And I also feel like our faith is dominated by Jesus Christ, which of course it is because we, he was human. You know, we can relate to him. There's, you know, him speaking in the Bible, but it's a, I think it's a really cool time to kind of put that in the back of our minds and instead focus on the real personality of God, the father, who is the one that established all these relationships with the Jewish people. That is the absolute foundation of our Catholic faith. So I love it. And I always feel like when I go through the Jesse tree with my family, I learn as much as they do. 
I mean, easily, easily every year. I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh, Gideon. Oh, that's interesting how that fits there. So, mm-hmm. but I have to admit, I have had like a love hate relationship with the Jesse tree for a long time because it's easy to get started on these characters that we know and love, like Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham. But then it gets complicated and scripture gets long and hard to understand. And like, oh, my gosh, Babylonian exile. When did that happen? <laughs> and so um, that's why I made I have a new booklet this year that I made admittedly for my own family so that we could have a less complicated Jesse tree, a more straightforward and explained one. And like I said, when I make it for my family, I can help but share it with others. So I feel like now that I have this resource that explains how things connect, that has just a couple of really powerful verses instead of like read chapters 28 through 40 in Genesis, you know, it's like, oh gosh, that's That's not not going to happen. Right. Well, they're sitting in front of lit candles. (laughs) No way. Yeah. Yeah. So, So anyways. So that's really what it is. The Jesse tree is really an exploration of the personality of God the Father and how he he loves us and softened our hearts so that we could receive Jesus. I love it. I appreciate the very detailed explanation because I think all of us would, there's many of us that need to know that and probably are trying to figure <laughs> out. And I kind of always thought it as, okay, there's this tree. I remember the, you know, from the root of Jesse. Okay, check, check, got that. And then I would basically just look and try to see what some of all these pictures are of people's trees. And I'm like, I guess it's just like, is this like the highlighted version of the Bible until we get to Jesus? I mean, I see like Adam and Eve, then I see the flood, the rainbow. Okay. I mean, David, Goliath. Okay. I mean, and I really, I mean, I can kind of put it together, but still, it's just really nice being like, I'm not quite sure where we're all going with this, but yeah, yes, it's so great. And so, I mean, what do you think is like the age appropriateness for the Jesse tree for kids? Like when will they really kind of start at least... They might not absorb everything, but like participating to kind of put it on there and kind of partake. So, well, you know, when you have bigger families, like, you know, we go newborn through about eight around here. So we just have the kids join in from the beginning. I think it's harder when it's your first, you know, you might want to wait a little bit. But the beautiful thing about the Jesse tree, in my opinion, is that like I have a version where kids can color in the ornaments. And even if they're just scribbling on that and putting their artwork up, like that can be all that they get out of the Jesse tree. That's fine. I feel like it's an incredibly valuable thing for anybody of any age to do. I really look forward to it because it's good for me personally to start Advent at the beginning of history, really, to go on the journey each year. Like I, you know, selfishly, I might say I'm just doing it for my kids, but My husband and I both really look forward to the Jesse tree each year, too. And it's hard, I think, to motivate ourselves as adults to do this kind of thing by ourselves. Like, that's one of my favorite parts of being a mom is that I have extra motivation to do these things. So I think if you're going to say, like, well, when is it really worthwhile for my child to do? They're really going to understand the stories, probably school aged. But I think any exposure to scripture, even younger, is still good. And it's a beautiful thing for parents to do, too. So really, it's up to anybody what they think. I love it. 
I like what you got going on. Now you actually have quite a bit going on here on your, <laughs> on your website, do small things with love. You can find out all about all of the different, there's many free downloads that you can do that Nancy offers us with do small things with love on her website. There's a few other paid ones for like felt patterns. They're great. A couple things just to really point out, you've already mentioned this once before, Nancy, but just to like reiterate this, you have a couple podcasts. The first one is Just One Small Thing, which is what you say, Everyday Wisdom for Catholic Women. You have a lot of great content there. You interview some other amazing people on it. But your other podcast that you had mentioned is called Catholic Sprouts. This, I mean... I don't know if there's anything else out there like this. It's the first time I've ever heard of it, but it's a daily podcast for Catholic kids. It is only, a, it's only about five minutes or so of a little a devotion for, for you and your kids to listen to. We'll definitely have that link on in the show notes so people can take a look at that. What a great thing to incorporate into like maybe your drive to school or just as you're doing anything in the car or at home especially during these, these you know, times like Advent or even Lent later on as you're going through these times and wanting to do something a little bit extra during that time. You have a lot of other initiative initiatives, Nancy, that you have out there that you are putting out of, you have things where we can kind of sign up to kind of be Catholic crafting buddies. <laughs> I liked that one. You have um, a seven-day marriage challenge, Catholic women reading list. I mean, that's there's just so many different resources for Catholic women and Catholic families that you have on here, you have such a heart for that. I mean, is that did that just come out of a place where you were just kind of feeling like you want a community yourself? Well, so honestly, it started when I started doing things specifically for Catholic women. So I'm not big on social media, but I am an email junkie. I'm really into email. And so as people would sign up and be on my list, I always encourage them to write to me. And so I started hearing from thousands of Catholic women about what their struggles are. And it was amazing because a lot of their struggles are the same struggles as mine. They would usually say one of two things when I asked what their biggest struggle was. They would either say, I struggle to teach my children the faith, which is generally why I share what I share and why I started Catholic Sprouts. And then they would also say that they either have struggles in their marriage or that they struggle to make time for daily prayer. And so you just hear these voices of women saying the same things with the same needs over and over again. And although I struggle with these things, too, I really feel convicted to do what I can to help. And I know like I'm not a theologian. I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not a child psychology specialist. I'm none of those things. I'm just a mom who's trying stuff too. And I've benefited so much from the Catholic online community that it's a joy for me to contribute a little bit back. So it's just, it's just a total joy to know that like, oh, your family listens to Catholic Sprouts every day and it's helpful. That is such a gift to me to know that or you took the seven day challenge to love your husband and you had some powerful revelations. Like that is the kind of stuff that gets me to sit down at the computer every day to keep making things. So it's just such a gift to, to know that God can use even me, you know, that, that yes. just keeps me going every day. Really. I love that. And Nancy, I mean, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and chatting with us and really just sharing your life and your heart with God. And then through that, sharing it with all of us through these amazing, different creative ways to pray and to love God and love our families. 
before we leave, would you mind giving us a challenge? Oh, sure. Totally. I would love that. So it's since it's Advent, I challenge every family or every person, whoever your family or your group might be, I challenge you to spend a little bit of time in the darkness this Advent to turn off the Christmas lights and the Christmas music to sit if you're around the Advent wreath or just a lit candle and to pray in the darkness just a little bit every day if possible, but that's not necessary, but just to really embrace the season of waiting in Advent by entering into the darkness. Mm. That's my challenge. I like that. I like that. That's really powerful when you can just sit there and really the quietness of, of just waiting, you know, mm-hmm. that can be mm-hmm. very, very powerful. And, yeah. And a lot of times we have to totally remove all the simulation to do that. Mm-hmm. Like turn off the lights in the dirty kitchen so you can't see it and just sit by the light of a candle. I so. love that. I love that. Nancy, you really, really are doing something beautiful for God and doing something beautiful for all of us and all of your good work. I am so, so thankful that you are our sister in Christ and that you are doing such great things. Truly, I am. We really value you. And, and definitely, this world will not, won't be saved by theologians or psychologists. It'll just be saved <laughs> by, by men and women who love and who love with, with the heart of, of God. And that's definitely what you're doing. You're not just a mom, but you are a fantastic mom who is loving her family and loving the world with that love of Christ uh, and helping us do something beautiful for God together. So thank you for being here. Oh, it's such a joy. It's such a joy to do this work. And it was so fun to talk to you today. It was good. I really, I really enjoyed it too. I I mean, I got to like, I mean, I have the best guest. I am so (laughs) partial. I love You do have great guests. I listen to your podcast all the time. You have great guests. And I exactly, thank you. I totally agree. It's amazing. I love this podcast because I get to talk with amazing people and then share them with everybody. It's the best thing in the whole world. I just kind of, when you were talking about like when you do something for your family and then you want to share it, it's like, that's, I'm right there with you different mm-hmm. format, but doing the same thing. It's just so Absolutely. wonderful to share good things and good people because this world is full of good people who are seeking, mm-hmm. you know, beauty, truth, and goodness. There are heroes every day all around us leading us to Christ. They are the saints, the quiet saints around us. And you're definitely in that group, Nancy. <laughs> Remember whatever, <laughs> um, we have got lots of great show notes for all of you to go and check out that you can check out, uh, do small things with love.com. We'll keep all of that in there. Make sure you definitely check out the whole Advent section. It's phenomenal. And remember, whatever you do today, make sure you do something beautiful for God. God love you and God bless. And we'll talk to you later.